Take your Bibles. Let's go to the book of Jonah tonight, the book of Jonah in the Word of God for a few moments. And I want to say also how thankful I am for all that the Lord, all that the Lord has done here in recent days. And uh, we're about to head out, about to embark on the fall portion of our 2023 calendar and just excited about what God's going to do. Excited about what he's done. We've had a fruitful summer and I thank God for it. Had the opportunity to preach in a number of different camps uh, across the nation here. And uh, what a privilege it is to see young people, the next generation, <laughs> stepping up to the plate. And praise God for it. It's been a blessing to see uh, young people not only saved, but young people making decisions for God. Junior age young people. And uh, that, that, that blows me away. That blows me away. Sometimes we think, oh, you know, first, second, third graders, you know, they're just running around being brats. But no, no. <laughs> you give them the word of God and they, they can do something with it. And I praise God for it. What a privilege that it's been. And I just want to thank God publicly for soul saved. I want to thank him for all that he's done. And I want to thank him for that truck and trailer out there. And thank you all for your part in helping and giving and praying that miracle in for us. We were able to, to pay for the whole thing and, and, and praise God for that. And after the service tonight, we're going to have a, a bit of an open house, if you will. So if you'd like to come over and see the trailer and uh, see all that goes into to living in a little aluminum box, then you're more than welcome to come over. And it's a bigger aluminum box than we used to have, let me tell you. Praise God for it. <laughs> it's exciting. Let me tell you something. You'll never regret serving God. You'll never regret giving your life to him and just saying, all right, God, I don't know how this is going to work. I'm really not sure how you're going to make it all come together, but I'm following you and I'm going after you. And whatever you want, that's what I want. Yeah. And, and that's what my family and I have done. And let me tell you something, we haven't regretted it for one second. <laughs> you know, we eat ramen every once in a while and praise God for it. But to, let me tell you, we eat good across this nation. And people bring out the best for the evangelists oftentimes. And, I, you know, it's, it's been a stumbling block. We've had, to, we've had to run some miles. We've had to do some things to fight off the, uh, the evangelist belly, if you will. But uh, praise God. <laughs> praise God for his goodness. Let me tell you, there's just nothing like serving God. And I just want to thank you all for your prayers for us. Thank you all for uh, your support and allowing us to have a place to live as we go across this country and seek to serve God with our lives. The book of Jonah is where we are tonight, and I want to take us to a few passages here in the Word of God tonight, and I want to speak to us on the topic of storms this evening. Storms. The title of the message is A Shelter in the Time of Storm. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've been in some storms in my life, and I don't mind a good storm. I really don't. I don't mind a storm when I'm inside. When I'm out of the elements. I don't mind a storm when I'm inside and when I'm on the ground, I've found out here recently as well. Being on the ground is a big, very important part <laughs> of enjoying a storm. I was uh, preaching out at a camp in Iowa, and on the way back, uh, part of the leg there, part of the, I uh, took a, had a layover in, in uh, I think it was O'Hare, Chicago airport, and uh, flew out of a, a little tiny airport in Quincy, Illinois, and uh, flew on a plane that had about 10 seats in it. And so it was the smallest plane that I had ever flown in up to this point. And so, you know, it's one of those where you get into the plane and a guy my size, you know, I'm kind of, you know, trying to get to my seat like this. And, 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 and uh, you know, just, you know, hey there, hey there. And out the pilot's like right there, like four feet in front of you. You know, it's just, it's a very small plane. It's a little box. It's, it's so small that they ask you how much that you weigh so that they can balance the plane properly. And that made me a little nervous because I'm like, what if somebody lies about their weight? 
It's going to throw this whole plane out of whack, and we're going to be flying like this. You know what I mean? I was, so, but, but, but praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He uh, <laughs> took care of all those details. But on the way back, on, as we were flying into the, to, to the Chicago area there, we came into some storms. And uh, you could see everything. I mean, you could see the cockpit. You can see out the front window. It's really a different kind of flying experience if you've never been on a little itty-bitty plane before. And you could see the radar screen. And the radar screen, I mean, it was all kinds of colors. That's bad, by the way. If you see the radar screen and it's got all kinds of colors on it, that's, you, that's generally a bad thing. You don't want to see all kinds of colors on the radar screen. But there's all kinds of colors. And it was, it, was, it was just amazing to watch as those pilots navigated around the storms. But there was one particular foreboding bank of clouds, I'll call it that, <laughs> that they said, we just got to go through it. And so I watched as, as they, they, they took the plane right into this bank of clouds. And then you could see nothing. Nothing but clouds all around you. And it felt like, you know, we were in a, like a little toy and there was a little kid just kind of going, whoop, you know, it was just, it, it was, a, it was a scary feeling. It felt like we were just being slapped around up there in that plane. Now, praise the Lord, we made it through. But let me tell you, that was a storm I was very glad to be out of. <laughs> when, when, the, when the clouds parted and we were headed towards the runway there, I, I breathed a very big sigh of relief. Let me tell you, even worse than being stuck out in a storm without an umbrella <laughs> is sometimes the storms that we can run into in life. I'm not talking about rain. I'm not talking about wind. I'm talking about circumstances. I'm talking about trials. I'm talking about hardships. I'm talking about difficulties that we can run into here in the Christian life. And I don't know about you, but there's been a time where <laughs> more than more times than I can count where I felt like David when he said in Psalm 55, verse 6 through 8, Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. Lo, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness, Selah. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. But I'm here to tell you tonight that Perhaps if you're in a storm right now, I'm here to tell you that we serve a heavenly father that does not waste storms on his children. He doesn't waste a storm. There's not a storm that you can go through in your life that takes him by surprise. There's not a storm that you can sail into in this, in this path of life, if you will, that, that God is up there wringing his hand saying, oh man, I didn't see that one coming. Oh man, what are we going to do about this one? Oh man, this is really a pickle right here. What, how are we, how's this one going to work out? And we serve a God that's bigger than any storm you'll face. And we serve a God that custom makes our storms. He custom makes them for the needs that we have in our life. And if you're going through something tonight, let me tell you, it's not a wasted storm. God knows what he's doing. And even in the midst of the darkest storm that we might be facing, God's hand is still very much at work. And God's plan hasn't been thrown off in the slightest. <laughs> His sovereign plan isn't all up in arms because, oh, no, we didn't see this one coming. No, no, he is in control. And while we might not on this side of glory understand every storm that the Lord drives us into, the Lord allows us to sail into, if you will, I want to take you to four storms very briefly tonight in the Word of God. Four storms, and I want to show you what I believe is God's purpose in these storms. Again, I'm not saying that by the end of the message you're going to know exactly why you're going through your storm and know exactly what's going on. No, no. If we knew everything that was going on, I, I don't think that our storm would be as effective as doing what God wants it to do in our lives. He keeps us in the dark sometimes so that we have to trust him. But I find great comfort in looking at these storms in the word of God and knowing that God was in control. 
and knowing that whatever storm I might be facing, he is still in control. The first storm we see is right here in the book of Jonah. I hope you found that. We'll read the first few verses just to, to kind of get us into the story here. We a story many of us know very well, but the Bible says in Jonah 1, verse number 1, Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was like to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried, Every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. The first storm I want to draw your attention to tonight is what we find right here in Jonah chapter 1. And it's a storm that I like to call the wake-up storm. The wake-up storm. This is a storm that God will allow into our lives, that God may very well send into our lives to wake us up, to get our attention, to get us to realize that we are going the wrong way, to get us to realize that there is something that's not quite right and we better get it right before disaster strikes. Instead of doing what God told him to do, Jonah decided he was going to run the opposite direction. You know the story. We don't know exactly what his motivations were, but we, knew, we know that Jonah made a decision that his way was better than God's way. He made a decision that he would be better off running in the opposite direction of God's will than doing what God had told him to do. And let me tell you something, Christian. That can, that's a dangerous place to be if you find yourself there tonight. It's a dangerous place to be thinking that you can pull one over on God. Thinking that the judge of all the earth will not do right. Thinking that the one that, that whose eyes go to and fro over the whole earth is going to somehow miss you. It's going to somehow not pick up on you going your own way and doing your own thing. And it may, may very well be that God is going to have to send a wake-up storm to get your attention. To shake you up. To get you to realize, hey, buddy, whoa, whoa, you're going the wrong way. <laughs> whoa, whoa, beware, danger, danger, danger. And that's what he tries to do for Jonah here. But the sad reality is that the preacher didn't even register that the Almighty was trying to get a hold of him. No, 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 Jonah had gotten so comfortable in such a short time in running away from God that he could go down into the bottom of the ship and take a nap. I mean, this is a great tempest. Verse number four, the Bible says it's a great wind. It's a mighty tempest so that the ship was like to be broken. Now, I don't know how many, how many deep sleepers we have in the building. Do we have any deep sleepers in the building? Brother Drew, a hurricane could be going on outside and I'm sleeping right through it. We got a couple. We got a couple, all right? Now, do we have any who are <clears throat> like my wife and a pin drops and you're up? Anybody like that? Okay, we got a few more of those. We got a few more pin drops and you're up type of people. Well, uh, here it seems like old Jonah was the former. I mean, this ship is tossing back and forth. These mariners are screaming and yelling out to their gods. They're throwing stuff overboard. And Jonah is fast asleep. This really 
brings out a point that, that I heard somebody mention here recently. And that is just because you have peace about it doesn't mean it's God's will. I just, I, just, I just want to throw that out here this evening. Jonah had peace. <laughs> he had peace in his decision to run from God. So much so he was able to sleep through a mighty tempest. Beware, ladies and gentlemen, beware that we are not basing our decisions based on our emotions, on our heart that is desperately wicked and deceitful, but basing our decisions and our directions and our, really, our life choices on what God's word says. You can have as much peace as you want. I don't care how much peace you have. If it goes against what God says, it's not right. And God may have to wake you up. The storm... It seemingly, uh, as far as I can see, it seems like the storm didn't get his attention. And it's sad that what it took to get Jonah's attention was what I am assuming is an unsaved ship captain. Look at verse number 6. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we perish not. It took an unsaved man to get <laughs> to wake Jonah up out of his out of his backsliddenness, to wake Jonah up out of his sleep, out of his slumber, out of his apathy. May we respond to when God sends that wake up storm in our life. <laughs> so much more we could say here, but aren't you glad that when God sends a storm, He also sends a fish? <laughs> hey, maybe you maybe you strayed a little bit. Maybe you're messing up a little bit. Maybe you're not where you're supposed to be. Maybe God's going to have to deal with you. He's going to have to throw you in the water. He's going to have to let you get swallowed up by the fish. He's going to have to teach you a few things while you're stewing in the acid of your own decisions for three days and three nights. <laughs> but aren't you glad for second chances, third chances, fourth chances, and fifth chances, and <laughs> spit up on the beach, and sixth chances, and, 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 and God gives him the same command in chapter 3, Arise, go to Nineveh. <laughs> he wasn't done with Jonah, and he's not done with you. If he's sending you a wake-up storm, it's because he's not done with you. It's because he loves you. It's because he wants to get you back on track because he's still got something to do with you. And may we heed when God sends us a wake-up storm. Let's go to Mark chapter 4 tonight, and we'll look at the second type of storm I want to draw your attention to for a few minutes. Mark chapter 4 there in the New Testament. Here Jesus is with his disciples, and... We'll get a little running start here. Verse number 35 of Mark chapter 4. The Bible says, In the same day, when the even was come, he, Jesus, saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. The second type of storm I want you to notice here in Mark chapter 4 is what I call the show-up storm. The show-up storm. You say, what is that, Brother Drew? The show-up storm is when God allows a storm in our lives or even will send us into a storm so that he can show himself strong on our behalf. 
show-up storm. You think about it. If we never had any problems, what need would we have of a Savior? If we never had any struggles, what need would we have of a comforter? If everything was, was easy and, and chilling in the shade, drinking pink lemonade, what need would we have for the one that gives peace that passes all understanding? What need would we have of him? Let me tell you what would be happening. There'd be a bunch of Christians walking around Crossroads Baptist Church with their chests all puffed out like this. Oh, let me tell you, this Christian life thing, piece of cake. <laughs> I mean, I am killing it. Killing it. I haven't sinned in like two months. Are you kidding me? I mean, I am just, I am, oh man, I, I am batting a thousand right now. I, I'm, I mean, <laughs> y'all you, you, you can learn a thing or two from me. <laughs> I think sometimes God allows a storm, again, not because he hates us, not because he's trying to beat us down into the ground, but because he wants us to realize that we need him. We need him every hour, not just some of the time. We need him all the time. And here, Jesus sends his disciples into this storm. Did you notice that in verse 35? Let us pass over to the other side. This was no mistake. This was no happenstance. Jesus had a purpose in this storm. And the Bible really indicates to us that the disciples did everything that they could. You see, where do you see that, Brother Drew? I, I see that in verse number 37. There rose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. Can, can you see them there in the middle of that Sea of Galilee? Can you see them there rowing? I mean, many of them were fishermen. They had been on the water before. They had seen a storm or two in their time before. Can you see them rowing? You know, Peter and Andrew saying, all right, guys, <laughs> I know you're just a tax collector, but come grab an oar, all right? It's going to be all right. Here we go. Uh, we, we, we've seen stuff like this before. We, we, we've been in a storm before. Trim the sails. Let's, we're going to do some rowing. Can, can you see them trying to figure it out, trying to solve it, rowing all, the, all that they can, trying to, trying to get to the other side in their own strength? But, oh, the storm gets worse. The waves get higher. The wind's whipping them around. And now the waves are beating into the boat itself. And so old Peter, I'm sure, you know, Peter always had something to say. I, I, could, I could see him there on the boat just standing up. All right, guys, we, we need some guys bailing here. Okay, we got buckets. We got buckets. Get the water out. Get the water out. But the Bible tells us that the ship is now full. You ever been on a boat before? That's just, just not, not good. Okay, not a, not, a good, not a good situation right there. I think as they're rowing and they're bailing and they're trying with all their might to get this thing to land, one of them says, you know what? Maybe, maybe we ought to wake Jesus up. <laughs> maybe we ought to see what he has to say about all this. <laughs> and so they go back there in the hinder part of the ship, verse number 38. Master, carest thou not that we perish? You're going to find yourself in storms. Because storms are just a part of life. It's, just, it's, just, <laughs> it's one of God's tools to mold us, to shape us, to help us. Not to hurt us, to help us. But you're going to find yourself in some storms in this life where you, you can try anything else, exhaust all your options, and nothing else is going to help. And you're going to have to turn to the only one that can say, peace be still. And why is he often our last resort? 
oh, I'm going to try this, I'm going to try that, I'm going to phone a friend, you know, <laughs> like we're on a game show, I'm going to use all my lifelines before I call Jesus, you know, I'm going <laughs> to phone a friend, I'm going to buy a vow, I'm gonna, oh, we, we try everything else, when he ought to be our first resort. He ought to be the first one when, when, when the waves are getting high that we run to. I don't have time to get into all this now, but one of, the, one, of the, one of the most powerful prayers in the Bible, I believe, is found in the book of 2 Chronicles in chapter 20. Jehoshaphat, the enemies of God are coming up against him, coming up against Judah. <laughs> and he prays this in 2 Chronicles 20 and verse 12. O our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And maybe, just maybe, that storm is to get your eyes off of everything else and get them fixed upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim. They had to wake Jesus. They had to put down the oar. They had to put down the bucket. They had to put down their own efforts and their own, their own ideas. And they had to go wake up Jesus because only he could help them. And may our, storms, may our storms drive us to a place of seeking God like we've never sought him before. May they drive us to a place of seeking him in prayer and may I even say in fasting. A forgotten art, I believe, in many of our churches. Where we put aside time where we would eat or do something else and say, I need, a st- I need Jesus right now and I need to set this time aside and seek his face until he will be found. I will not let thee go until, the, until you bless me. Kind of a mindset. You see the show up storm. A similar story is found in Matthew 14 with a few differences, and I want to draw your attention there next. Matthew 14, as we consider the third type of storm. I'm sure there's many other storms that we could consider this evening, but these are just a few that God's used in my heart. Matthew 14. Verse number 22. The Bible says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. So this time, Jesus isn't in the boat with them. Verse 24, But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway, Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Man, there's a lot we could say about just those verses right there. Praise God. Praise God that when Jesus shows up, we don't have to be afraid. But I want you to focus on verse 28 and following. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. <laughs> oh, man, I've said it before, but I, I, I kind of wish that, and I hope that there is instant replay in heaven. We can go into the booth and we can watch back some of these stories from the word of God. Because this is one I'd love to see. <laughs> I'd, love to, I'd love to get into the mind of Peter and figure out why in the world did you say that in the first place, Peter? Like for, uh, first, everybody's freaking out. Ah, oh, it's a ghost. It's a spirit, you know, and, and, and for good reason. They had been up maybe 24 hours. <laughs> They've been serving all day and rowing all night and fighting for their lives. They, they were a little delirious, and I'll give them that. 
But then they find that finally the, the, the ghost starts talking and says, Be of good cheer. <laughs> it is I. Be not afraid. They realize, wait, we know that voice. That's Jesus. But what would compel Peter in verse 28 to say, Hey, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come to thee on the water. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Brother Comfort, maybe you can tell me afterwards something what Peter was thinking. I don't know what Peter was thinking. Maybe it was one of those, you know, first thing that came to his mind and, and out it came, you know, type of things. You know, Peter's filter was, was a little bit busted on, on certain occasions here in the Word of God. <laughs> it's all right. If your filter's a little busted, God can still use you. Amen for that. Amen for that. <laughs> Bid me come to thee on the water. And Jesus answered with just one word. Come. I mean, I would, I would have loved to just watch Peter's face there. You, you think, maybe come to the other water. Jesus says, come. He's like, what did I just say? <laughs> oh, I'm going to I'm gonna have to go out, out of the boat. And we don't see any of the other disciples volunteering to go with him. Hey, Pete, I'll come with you, man. <laughs> no, they were all sitting there. Hey, you said it, man. Go ahead. <laughs> We'll cheer you on, buddy. You, you got this. You got this. Hey, I, I'm glad it's not me. What was he thinking? I don't know what he was thinking. Uh, hit, hit him with one of these. We'll pray for you, Peter. We'll pray for you. <laughs> oh, man. But he takes that step, steps out of the boat, and begins walking on the water. I, I mean, we know the rest of the story. We know what happens, and we're like, oh, yeah. But how many people do you know that walked on water? Pretty short list. Verse 30. When he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, man, what are you doing? You were just walking on. No, 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 no. Jesus looked at Peter and said, you dummy, what, what, what is wrong with you? No, no, no. And immediately, Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? The third storm I want you to see here this evening is what I call the grow-up storm. The grow-up storm. Sometimes I believe God will steer us into a storm because he has something to teach us. He has an area in which we need to grow. And he cannot, are you listening? He cannot teach us that lesson when we have two feet on dry land. Peter had just seen Jesus feed 5,000 plus women and children. He'd seen the power of God. He knew what Jesus was capable of, but Jesus, I believe, had to get him out in the middle of this storm to teach him something very important. Because you see, Jesus had plans for Peter. Aren't you glad for that? <laughs> Aren't you glad he's got plans for you? I mean, before the foundation of the earth, before you were even thought of, before your parents were even born, he, he, had, a, he had a will for you that was good and acceptable and perfect. Whew. Man, that's good. But he had plans for Peter. You see, Jesus could look ahead, and he could see Pentecost. 
say, I got to get you to Pentecost, Peter. I got to get you standing up and preaching. 5,000 people getting saved in one day. I don't know about you, but that'd make my whole career right there. I feel like I could retire after Pentecost. 5,000 in one day, I'm good. Take me home, Jesus. <laughs> We're not going to top this one. <laughs> but before, before there was a Peter at Pentecost, there was a Peter sinking beneath the waves. Before there was ever a Peter at Pentecost, there was Peter to whom Jesus would say, Get thee behind me, Satan. Ooh. Ooh. Ouch. <laughs> Before there was a Peter of Pentecost, there was Peter, the remover of ears. That was one of my favorite stories as a kid, you know. Malchus, you know. Jesus just, you know, picks the ear up and just, you know, slaps it back on there. That's cool. Put that sword away, Peter. Oh, man. There was, before there was Peter of Pentecost, there was Peter, the denier of Christ. Not once, three times. There was Peter, the deserter at the cross. There was Peter, I go a fishing, giving up on the mission. But I believe that Jesus taught Peter a very valuable lesson right here in the middle of a storm that would take him through all of that and prepare him for what God had for him. And this is the lesson I believe that Peter learned right here in the storm. If you keep your eye on Jesus, the supernatural takes place. If you keep your eye on Jesus, you can do the impossible. If you'll keep your eye on Jesus, miracles happen. But the second you start looking around at the crowd, or in this case, you start looking around at the waves and the wind and the rain blowing sideways and the, and the waves that are taller than you are, they start to sink. He couldn't teach him that on dry land. No, no, he had to get him out in a storm so he could teach him this valuable lesson. God doesn't hate you. He's not trying to beat on you. He's just trying to grow you, maybe. He's just trying to knock off the things that don't look like Jesus. He's just trying to get you to that next, that next step so that he can use you in a greater way than, than he could use you right now. But are you willing? Are you willing, like Job, to say in Job 23, verse 10, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Can I say it this way? Trust the process. He knows what he's doing. But finally, I want to take you to Acts 27 tonight. Acts 27. <laughs> and we'll look at the final, the final storm that we'll, we'll mention tonight. Acts 27. A little background here. This is the Apostle Paul on his final missionary journey. If you can call it that. <laughs> He's on his way to Rome. He's on his way to be executed. He's on his way to finish his race, if you will. But can I say this? God still had some amazing things to do for, for Paul and through Paul on his last journey. <laughs> if you're here tonight, you say, Brother Drew, I'm, I'm, I'm on my last journey. <laughs> we're, getting, we're, getting towards the, we're getting towards closer towards the finish line. We're, we're closer to the finish line than we are to the starting line, Brother Drew. Let me tell you something God's not done. When he's done, he'll take you. But until then, you be faithful. Until then, you use the opportunities God's given you. You use the influence God's given you. Until the day you see him face to face. But here he is on his last journey and still being used of God. <laughs> 
And, and they're, they're, they're about to, to, to set sail here. They're, they're wanting to, to get this voyage underway. But Paul warns them and says, hey, this is not a good idea, guys. Uh, this is, this is, this is going to end badly if we set out now. Acts 27 and verse number 10, he says, Sir, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only to the lading and of the ship, but also of our lives. Nevertheless, the centurion believed the master and the owner of the ship more than those things which were spoken by Paul. And why wouldn't he? <laughs> Paul's just a prisoner. Why would he listen to what Paul had to say? He's going to listen to the owner of the ship. He's going to listen to those that, that have some experience. He's going to listen to those that have been there and done that. I'll listen to what Paul has to say. Verse 13, the Bible says, When the south wind blew softly, supposing they had obtained their purpose, loosing thence they sailed close to Crete, but not long after there arose against it a tempestuous wind called Eurocladon. This was, uh, this was such a significant storm that they gave it a name. <laughs> Eurocladon means violent agitation. This wasn't just a little summer rain. <laughs> oh, no, no. A violent agitation. The Bible tells us down in verse number 20, they say, When neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was then taken away. And again, they, they, they were doing everything that they could. Verse number 17, they're throwing things overboard. They're very much like in Jonah. They're, they're trying to do everything they can to survive, but they don't even see the sun. They don't see the stars. They don't see the sky in many days. And this tempest isn't going anywhere. And it got so bad, the Bible tells us that a ship full of what I would assume many of them, seasoned sailors, gave up all hope that they would survive. They said, we're dead. We've done everything that we can do. It's over. <laughs> but verse 21, the Bible says, But after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, ye should have hearkened unto me and not loosed from creed and to have gained this harm and loss. Can I put that in our vernacular? Uh, guys, I told you so. <laughs> uh, I mean, we, 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 we called this one back in the port. I told you that it was going to be a bad idea to set sail, but you didn't listen. Verse 22, and now I exhort you to be of good cheer. <laughs> it's taking a page out of Jesus' book right there, old Paul was. Cheer up, guys. <laughs> I told you so, but cheer up. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul. Thou must be brought... Can we just go back to verse number 23? Man, I like that right there. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. All right, I'll just leave that one alone, okay. Uh, verse 24, saying, Fear not, Paul, thou must be brought before Caesar. And lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe that it shall be even as it was told me. The fourth storm, as we wrap up tonight, is the storm that I like to call the speak-up storm. The speak-up storm. Sometimes God will allow us to sail into a storm here on, <laughs> on the path of life to give us an opportunity to praise Him. To give us an opportunity to glorify Him. To give us an opportunity to point somebody else to him 
in a way we never would have been able to do otherwise. Notice, this storm is not one of Paul's own own making. This storm is not one that was sent because Paul was being punished. This was a storm that Paul really tried to get them to avoid. But God had bigger plans. And at the beginning of the story, Paul was just a prisoner. And nobody really cared what he had to say. But by the end of this story, let me tell you something. Paul had a captive audience (laughs) hanging on his every word. And he was able to stand up in the middle of the ship and say, I believe God. Let me tell you what's going to happen. Because I'm a servant of his and I serve him and I belong to him. And this is what he's told me and you need to hear it. You need to listen up. Oh, oh, Christian friend, he's not trying to crush you and destroy you. Maybe he's just trying to build you, build you a pulpit with your storm. Maybe he's trying to get you a platform so that you can stand up and you can point people to him in a way you never would have been able to otherwise. Listen, I, I, don't, I don't wish any ill on any person. We, we heard the prayer request tonight about the, uh, the, the, the family there who lost their baby a mere maybe hour or, or a little more after it was born. I don't wish that upon anybody. And I don't understand all that God is doing. I wish I could take it all away. But God has a plan, even in, even in a situation like that. And it may be that he has opportunities for them to encourage others and to win others to Jesus and to point other people to him in a way they would never have been able to had it not been for the tragedy and for the storm that God allowed them to sail through. God loves you, and he's up to good in your storm. But the question is, are you going to miss it? Because you're too busy moping and complaining and dragging your chin on the ground. Let me tell you something, Paul would not have been the <laughs> used of God greatly as he was in this story if he had been just, woe is me, oh, my life is so terrible. But through it all, he kept his eyes on Jesus and he was able to point an entire ship to Jesus. I don't know what you're going through. And I wish I could make it stop, but maybe instead of our prayers always being, God, just take the storm away. God, just make it stop. God, just, 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 just remove it, please. I just need peace. Be still right now. Maybe our prayer ought to be, God, oh, this one hurts. But what are you trying to show me? Oh, God, I, I can barely keep my head above water, but how are you trying to grow me? Oh, God, I don't know what you're doing. But who is it that you need me to minister to in the middle of my storm? You say, Brother Drew, why did he put me in the hospital? Well, maybe there was somebody at the hospital that needed him. And he sent you, not because he hates you, not because he's trying to make your life miserable, but because he needed somebody to go tell him. Again, I don't understand it all. And God's ways are so much higher than our ways and his thoughts so much higher than our thoughts. But don't waste the pulpit that God's trying to build you in the middle of your storm to give him glory, to give him honor, and to point others to him. In conclusion, my advice for all of us is this. Run to Jesus when the storm's coming. Run to him 
because he's the one that is the master of the storm, the master of the wind and the waves. If you run to Jesus, you say, well, would it make the storm go away automatically? No, it's not going to automatically make the storm cease, and it's not going to make the storm any less real, but he can give you the peace in the midst of your storm that you so desperately need. <laughs> for Psalm 107 tells us, For he commandeth and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the ways thereof. They mount up to heaven. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. <laughs> you ever been there before? <laughs> then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distresses. He maketh the storm a calm so that the waves thereof are still. In conclusion, as I close, I want to share with you my, one of my favorite verses in all the Bible, Isaiah 26 and verse 3. The Bible says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace who doesn't have any storms in his life currently. No. <laughs> Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose circumstances all work out. No. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee because he trusted in thee. Even, even when the wind's howling around you, even when the, way, the rain is, is driving, we can be at peace when our minds are stayed upon him. Peace is not a, a result of everything going well and is a re, all a result of all our circumstances being smooth. Peace is knowing him and running to him, our shelter in the time. Of storm. That will keep him in perfect peace as mine is stayed upon thee, because he trusted in thee. Trust ye in the Lord Jehovah for the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. He's got all you need, and he will get you through that storm if you'll trust him. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that not a raindrop is wasted in our life. That you're up to something. I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters in Christ tonight. I know there's probably some that are dealing with some, some big waves right now, Lord, dealing with some, some big tempests. But wherever we are tonight, Lord, I pray that we would meet you and we would find you and we would seek you and we would run to you like we never have before and find that peace that passes all understanding. Bless us as we go to prayer tonight, Lord. We love you. We thank you for your goodness to us. In Jesus' name I pray.